All right, everybody, welcome to New Life Church. How many of you guys are excited to be at church today to worship God? Come on. Yeah? All right, all right. If the person next to you is not, it's your job to help them. All right, that's the, that's the mission. Your first mission right off the bat. Uh, hey, look, my name is Jeff. I'm one of the pastors on staff. It is a joy to be a pastor at New Life Church, a church where, you know, we believe that Jesus is alive and that he's changing people's lives. And many of you would have a testimony, you know, of how God has changed your life. Right on. Uh, I have one, and I know that you do as well. And we just believe that God still changes people's lives. And so that's why we hold worship services on Sunday morning. Just want to make that clear right off the bat. We don't hold them because we have to. We don't hold them because we're obligated to. We come together to worship Jesus because we still believe he's changing lives. And we come together where two or more are gathered. He's here in our midst. And we just happen to believe that our life needs to be changed. And possibly you that are here today, maybe you would experience that same life-transforming power that Jesus has done. He's still at work today. He loves people. He wants to make you into the best version of yourself that you could ever be. And that's how God works here at our church. And so thank you guys for being here. You're one church in multiple locations. We're live right now with our North Platte campus as well. So can you guys just say hello to North Platte really quick? Come on, just do it. Come on. Yeah. Yeah, we love you guys out there. Now let's listen for their love back. It's amazing. It's awesome, isn't it? It's awesome. I love it. I love it. Hey, look, we're in a series that we're wrapping up today. It's, it's entitled Uncomfortable. So the, the essence of the series was to not intentionally make you uncomfortable, but to really bring the reality of what Christianity is. Uh, you do need to understand that when Jesus taught, he didn't teach to make people comfortable. He taught to make people first uncomfortable so that then their life would be changed and they could be in alignment with him. So you need to know that the gospel is uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable to somebody who is outside a relationship with God. And it's at times uncomfortable for us that are inside relationship with God because it constantly is working to change us and to make us into the men and the women that God wants us to be. So what happens is that you're uncomfortable when you hear a sermon because it's bringing out God's word and it's making it alive for you. Right? But then when we obey it and we follow it, <clears throat> it ends up bringing joy, joy to our life. So you have to go through the uncomfortable to get to the joy. So we talked week one. We just said this, look, the church is uncomfortable. Now, like, as an example, like, there's no dream church. We, we took a, a survey, remember? We held up our, our fingers, one, two, and three, based on answers that were on the screen. And, you know, we kind of let you guys design your own dream church. And nobody was going to design the same dream church. Remember that? And even couples between husbands and wives, you guys were voting on that. And you couldn't even be on the same page. Remember that day? That's when we discovered that the church is going to be uncomfortable because it's never going to be your dream church. It's never going to have the music that you would want. It's never going to always have the sermon the way you want it, right? It's not always going to have the right people in it. It's going to be uncomfortable. And God created his church so that it would make us a little uncomfortable, that it would cause us to change. That's just part of the gig. And then we looked at week two, and we looked at how the cross is uncomfortable. That at the center of Christianity is an execution device, the cross, and that you can't get to God except by coming through the cross where Christ gave his life. He's the way, he's the truth. Nobody comes to the Father except through Christ. 
And so we looked at that week two. Week three, last week, we looked at how relationships are uncomfortable. Like the people that are closest to us are the ones that end up hurting us the most, right? The people that are closest to us are the ones that end up disappointing us the most. And so relationships, and in a church, I mean, just look across the auditorium. If you're in North Platte, look across the auditorium. Look here. Look at the lower level. Look up into the loft. <clears throat> I mean, there's so many different kinds of people. I guarantee you, if, if, if you get plugged into new life, relationships over time, they're going to rub on you. And what happens with all these scenarios, the church isn't exactly the way I want it. You know, um, the cross it becomes like oh, abrasive to me relationships, they just aren't the way I want them. What, what do people do? They abandon the local church. Many times they'll go down the street to the next local church only to discover that after the honeymoon period is over, it's the same exact thing, that the grass isn't greener on the other side, that to grow grass on the other side of the fence takes just as much effort as it did where you came from. And so what we were trying to help you do is anchor yourself into this entity called the local church that Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And to get you connected and rooted and going, look, I'm all in. Because when you go all in at a local church, like if this is your home church, right, and you're not just a guest here today, if you go all in, now God can do something extraordinary in your life. So today, to wrap it up, I just want to talk about the, the next phase, which is an uncomfortable mission. We have an uncomfortable mission that we have to accomplish. And all of us are engaged in the mission. This mission is not for pastors, not for those that are discredentialed, not for deacons, not for life group leaders, right? It's for everybody. So everybody hearing my voice today, right? Everyone hearing my voice today, this is a part of your mission. Now I got it. Here at New Life, one of the things we cherish is people that have yet to commit their life to Jesus, that are searching to know who he is. I know that you're here today. You're at North Platte, you're here in Kearney. And I know that you're asking the questions, who is this God, Jesus? And I love those questions. Those are safe questions here at New Life. Please keep asking those questions. But at some point you're gonna have to like, take the step and you're gonna have to go all in. Today we're gonna encourage you later on in our service to take that leap of faith and to go all in and finally say, Jesus is my Lord, He's my leader. I choose to follow him from this day on. Right? When you make that decision or when all of the rest of you made that decision, this mission became your mission. And that was this, to tell every single person on planet earth the good news of Jesus Christ. That's the mission. And here in Nebraska, we have a vision here at New Life Church to be a church of thousands and thousands of people, not because we want a big church, but because we want the kingdom of heaven to advance. Not just because, you know, we want to work ourselves to the bone and have five different services on a weekend, because that's what it's going to take. You do realize that, right? It's going to take a lot, right? It's not because of that. It's because we want heaven to be populated with God's people coming to know who Jesus is. And so that's our mission, and it get connected to the local body so that they can actually grow and become disciples of him. Now, that's our mission. That's what I get excited about. Right, So if there's something I ask you to get excited about, it's helping, helping work with the Holy Spirit to see people who are far from Christ come into relationship with him and have their life transformed. That's my prayer. But where does this mission start? Here's where it first starts. It first starts in an uncomfortable holiness. 
Like that word, holy, even in itself is a bit uncomfortable. <laughs> you know, because it means I'm going to have to change. And not just change, I'm going to go, I'm gonna have to go opposite of the culture. I'm going to have to align myself with God's word instead of just doing what I think is the best thing to do. Right, so here's one of the things that people have a, they, they have a hard time wrapping their head around, that the mission of going and telling the world about Jesus is not separate from your morality. That the mission and your morality are all connected together. Because if you can't win the wicked heart mission field inside of you, how are we ever going to win the hearts of those who are searching for him? How will you ever participate on the team? See, the first mission field you have to focus on is the one sitting right inside of this chest. It's the mission field of your very own heart. And it's right here that God actually calls us to live a life that is holy. Live a life that looks like his life. Now look, it's an, it's an ongoing journey, right? You're never going to be, you're never going to get like perfect on this earth. And the day that you wake up and you're like, boom, today's the day. I am holy. I am perfect. Let me just tell you what that day's gonna look like. The worst day of your marriage, okay? That's the worst day of your marriage right there. When you wake up and you're like, I am perfect. It's the worst, it's gonna be the worst day of your parenting. It's gonna be the worst day of your management. It will be the worst day, right? Because you're just not gonna get there. But it doesn't mean we shouldn't be striving for that. So we strive for it to become all that God wants us to be. Here's what God says about it in Hebrews. He he says this, look, work at living in peace with everyone. That was week three, last week. And work at living a holy life. Let's just stop there for a second. It's not not this. Hey, um, pray enough so that the Holy Spirit takes over your life and you become like a robot so that you can become holy. I wish that that was the case, because if that was the case, we could all live holy. If somehow I could lose myself and just the Holy Spirit, you know, lead me in every single perfect little thing, if somehow I could do that, then yes, we could be all become holy. But that's not going to be possible, because we have this human body, we have this human flesh, we got a mind, we have a will, we have emotions, and those things are constantly engaging themselves, wanting to take over. And it's that battle, like talked about last week, of this sinful man, right? The soulish man and the spirit man, and they're constantly at battle with each other. There's this war going on. And here's what God's trying to tell us. He goes, look, it's going to take work to live a holy life, guys. It's going to take work. Like there's effort involved on our part. There's an intentional no to certain things while we give an intentional yes to other things. There is a part that we play in this. And he goes, look, you're going to have to work on that. That's something that you're going to be working on for the rest of our lives to live a holy life. And then he goes, but here's the reason why you ought to do it. For those who are not holy will not see the Lord. As if this isn't part of like the very first part of living the mission, like us getting our life lined up with him, we won't see the Lord. And here's the worst case. The worst case scenario is that you don't see the Lord and that others don't see the Lord through you. That God actually wants to use you. And that we need to have this internal pursuit for a righteous life, this internal pursuit for a holy living so that we can see the Lord both here on this earth and for eternity in heaven 
but so that others can see the Lord through our life here on this earth and be with us in heaven as well. There's a, there's a professor and a pastor from Britain. He, he kind of said it this way about holiness. Take a look at what he said. Christopher Wright, he says, our holiness is as much a part of our missional identity as our personal sanctification. It, it, you can't separate the two. Going on mission for God and living a moral life that lines up with God's word. Those two things are inseparable. They go together. Then he goes on and he says this. Here's what the world's really looking for. That if we preach a gospel of transformation, we believe that. We believe Jesus transforms lives. That we need to show some evidence of what transformation looks like. That's what the world's hungry for, guys. The world isn't hungry for another sermon like this today. Here's what the world's hungry for. They're hungry for real, true you know, bona fide people that are sold out to Jesus Christ that will live a life that's transformed, that's radically different than what the world sees. And the, here's the unfortunate part that's happening right now in our culture. So allow me to step on toes for a second. We're wanting to look too much like the world, but yet reach the world. It's never going to happen. The more you look like the world, the less impactful your transformation becomes. We have to walk out the truth of God's word, which is separation, not from humanity. It's separate in the sense of how we live, the choices that we make. And when we choose to live according to God's word, it's uncomfortable, guys. It's an uncomfortable holiness. But when we do, we become the most useful tool in God's hands for reaching people. I'm just afraid that, you know, there's too, too many people that are coming into the faith of Christ and sitting in church pews for decades, decades, that live their life the way they want to while they're trying to make a presentation of who Jesus is. Like, yeah, I love Jesus, but I'm going to live my life the way I want to. You know what that's like? That's like going to an auto dealer to buy a car, and you purposely went to a particular auto dealer because you wanted to buy a family of car, whether that was a Toyota or a Chrysler product, right, or whatever it was. Like you went there because you wanted to buy that particular car and you get in the car you want and you go out for your, your test drive and the salesperson is sitting next to you and they're answering all the questions that you want until you get to the last question, which is this. Hey, would you buy this car? And they're like, absolutely not. In fact, I wouldn't buy any car on our lot. I think a lot of Christians are like that. You know, that's what it means to kind of like live your life however you want, but then call yourself a Christian. It doesn't go together. Like we're not representing the, the image of Christ, which is what we're called to do. So that brings us back to this uncomfortable stage where if we're going, if we're going to become righteous and holy like Christ is, and let him do his transformational work in us, the guys, we have to go all in. You gotta go all in with Jesus because he cares more about who you are than what you will ever do for him. That's just who he is. So I want you to go on mission, but it starts by first going on mission to this heart before you ever go on mission to anyone else's heart. Now, with that said, I think there's some exciting news. Who wants to hear some exciting news? Anybody? Okay. I'm glad. I'm glad because I'm going to give it to you anyways. All right. So I got some exciting news. We've got all these global outreach trips. Okay. They're going to Omaha. 
Um, they're going down to Mardi Gras this next week. They're going to Cuba. They're going to El Salvador. They're going to Fort Yukon, Alaska. They're going to Petersburg, Alaska. And, and there's going to be more or different things that happen, you know. But we got all these global outreach trips that are happening. And you can sign up for them in both of our lobbies, North Platte and Kearney. Right now, right now, there are 68 people signed up to go on a global outreach trip to say, I'm going to go on mission someplace in this world to help the world know about Jesus. I'm excited about that. I think that that's pretty cool. But here's the cooler part. 34 of them have never gone on a missions trip like that before. Never. Yeah. And your Kingdom Builder dollars are offering every single one of those first-time people a $1,000 grant to go on their very first global outreach trip. Yeah, now you're going, well, why didn't I sign up? <laughs> no, you missed it. You may have missed it. Some of the trips are already closed. Why would we be putting that type of money into a situation like that? Because we believe going on mission will change your life. So listen to me. All of you 34 people that have never gone before and you 68 that are getting ready to go and the number's going to grow because there's still some open spots. <clears throat> Here's what I want you to do between now and the time you go. I could care less what, what type of clothes you wear there. So I don't care what clothes you've got to go buy. I don't care what suitcase you have to get. I don't care what new phone you want because you want this super camera so you can take your amazing selfies. I could care less about all that. Here's what I care about. You've got one mission to do between now and the time you go, and that's to focus on the mission of this heart. That's your first mission field that you should care about. Live, live your life to be holy. And if you do, God will take you into his mission field on his mission and use you supernaturally. It'll blow your mind away. So that's first. Second is this. If we're, if we're willing to go through the uncomfortable holiness, then we can get to the uncomfortable witness. One of our core values here at New Life is that saved people find people. Like people that are committed to Christ, here's one of the things that, that you should see the evidence of. You should see them finding people, helping people come into the, the good work of, of Christ, right? You should see them sharing their faith um, and telling people about Jesus everywhere they go. And Jesus said, look, that's our mission that's all of our mission. He said it this way in uh, some very, very familiar passages of Scripture. Acts 1.8, Jesus said, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere. Uncomfortable witness. But he also said, he also said this very famous statement, therefore go and make disciples of all nations. Now these two statements were not being said just to pastors, just to credentialed ministers. This was, these are statements that are for every believer Every believer that sharing your faith is going to be uncomfortable at first, but you can trust the power of the Holy Spirit to be the witness. You can trust that Jesus, if Jesus asked you, in fact, let me take, let me take that back. If Jesus commanded you, because that's what he did, if Jesus commanded you to do it, do you think that Jesus is setting you up for failure? I just don't see Jesus being one who plays those crazy games with people. Like, I'm going to ask you to do something so you can fail. No, he's going to ask you to do something that's going to be uncomfortable. He's going to ask you to do something that's going to be challenging. But if Jesus is asking you to do it and commanding you to do it, he can give you the authority and the power to make it happen. Sharing your faith, it's going to be uncomfortable. But it won't be, it won't be after the first time you do it. 
In fact, sharing your faith should be something that just comes out of you naturally. Here's what Charles Spurgeon, a, a preacher back in the 1800s, he said this in 1873. He said, if Jesus is precious to you, you will not be able to keep your, your good news to yourself. So the question right now is, how precious is he to you? Then he goes on and he says, it cannot be that there is a high appreciation of Jesus and what Jesus has done in your life and a totally silent tongue about him. It can't be. You can't have it both ways. You can't be both appreciative for what Jesus has done and saving you and forgiving you of your sins and then keep your mouth shut and not telling others. That's what he's trying to drive home. He goes, look, basically it's this. It's natural to tell people about things that you love. If I had a moment to get coffee with every single one of you, in probably three questions, I could get you to start telling me about the thing you're most passionate about. And you're going to tell me about this new product and how I have to have this new product. Whatever it is. It's a new mixer. Um, it's a new microwave. It's a brand new toaster oven. That rotisseries and air fries all at the same time. You got to have one, Jeff. You got to have one. This new tablet device, this new smartphone, this new whatever. Like you would tell me about it. Or you would tell me about your most, you're like, you're passionate about this sports team and how, you know, I need to watch them. Like you need to watch it. Like you need to go on. You got to watch these highlights. Or you would tell me about this book that you read or a movie that you saw or your family. Like you'd be passionate about it. And here's what Charles Spurgeon was saying. Here's what God's word is saying to us. Look, if you love Jesus, don't keep him to yourself. If you love Jesus, Make sure other people hear about him because to share Jesus with somebody, listen, profound. To share Jesus with somebody is to change their eternity. Think about eternity with me for a second. Okay, it goes on and on and on and on and on. That's eternity. It's after this life. There's no end to it. And when you get tired of saying on and on and on and on, then it goes on and 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 on again. And about the time you get tired with that, it keeps going on and on and on and on. Can you imagine one conversation of you sharing who Jesus is and what he's done in your life could change somebody's on and on and on and on and on and on. It could change their eternity. Now look, I, I love being here with you and I love sharing with you. This whole message could have been brought to you by an atheist though today. It doesn't take a passionate Christ follower. It doesn't take a pastor to bring you this message. An atheist could have brought it to you. And I'm going to help, I'm going to help that process happen because I want to give you a quote from an atheist. It's a celebrity atheist. You know the, the, the um, magician's pen and teller? Pen and teller? Well, Pin Gillette, back in 2007, he put this on a YouTube post. He goes, look, um, and he's a professed atheist. He goes, I don't respect people who don't proselytize, who don't share their faith with the intent to help people transform their life, like to follow Jesus, right? He goes, I don't respect people who don't proselytize. If you believe that there's a heaven and a hell and people could be going to hell or not getting eternal life and you think that it's not really worth telling them this because it would make it socially awkward, how much do you have to hate somebody to not proselytize? Then he goes on, he says, how much do you have to hate somebody to believe everlasting life is possible and not tell them that? That's like one of those drop the mic, walk off the stage moments. What else really needs to be said? Like it's one thing for me to be telling you, that you would go, that's your job, Jeff. 
But when a complete atheist is saying to you, look, if I looked at your life and you're not so passionate about Jesus, you're not passionate enough about Jesus that you would be wanting everybody on planet earth to know that there's a heaven and a hell, then I, I don't respect your Christianity. That's the dilemma. That's the tension. That's the uncomfortable moment right now is that we have a world that sounds like they, they don't want to hear anything about what you got to say. But we have a world that if they don't hear what you have to say, their whole eternity could be spent away from Jesus. So you and I have to answer the question, which one is going to matter most to us, the socially awkward or the eternity of people? That's the question. That's what we have to get down to. And I just want you to know that God wants to use you in his mission. But to use you in his mission, you have to, you have to be willing, right? You have to be attentive to what he's doing, and you have to be open to his leadership. In Acts chapter 8, Philip, one of the followers of Jesus, was told, go to this road that coming out of Jerusalem towards the south. Just go to the road. And he goes to the road, and then all of a sudden, here comes this man in a chariot. And he comes by, and it's a, it's a wealthy man. And he senses in his spirit that the Lord says, go walk alongside that. So there's this attentiveness to what the Lord is saying on his day-to-day basis on how God can use Philip to, to see a transformation of other people's lives. But Philip has no idea why God wants him to do this. He just senses it. It'd be like going into a coffee shop and there's a bunch of open tables, and the Lord's saying to you, don't go sit over there on the cushion seat where you normally do in the corner, away from everybody. Go sit at this other table. And you're like, but there's nobody here. And there's one person in the table next to them. Like, that's going to be socially awkward. But the Holy Spirit goes, sit at that table. That would be like Philip. Go walk alongside the chariot. So he's walking alongside, and all of a sudden he hears something. He hears this. Hey, this guy's reading from an, an, an Old Testament manuscript out of Isaiah. And then Philip gets this harebrained idea. Like, look how profound you have to be to share Jesus. He goes, sir, you know what you're reading? Anybody could ask that question. And the guy goes, I don't have a clue what I'm reading. How would I? Unless someone explains it to me. And Philip goes, cha-cha. I can explain it to you. And so he gets up, and as they ride along, he explains it to them, and he, he weaves it right into telling the man about Jesus. And the man commits his life to Jesus. It's awesome. All because he was willing to just follow the leadership of the Holy Spirit and ask a simple question, do you know what you're reading? That could happen at a coffee shop. What if a person sitting at a coffee shop is reading the Bible? What do you assume? That they're a Christian? I'm so glad Philip didn't assume that. I'm so glad Philip assumed that, hey, you may not know what you're reading, but I can help you. It didn't matter to him. He was going to help that guy one way or the other. But then some water came a little while later, and Philip's like, hey, sir, your next step is to, get, is to get baptized in water. Just like today at New Life, at both campuses, in all four of our services, 24 people are getting baptized in water. That's exciting, right? Yeah. Oh. Man, you could be a part of someone's journey like that. 
All 24 people, I guarantee you, they have some kind of Philip in their life. All 24. All 24 of them have somebody they can go back to and they can say, this person, this man or this woman influenced me in my journey. And God can do the same thing in your life. So let me just give you a couple of things, tools you can use, right, to be a part of this uncomfortable witness. Invite people to church on Sunday. It's the best tool I can give you. Invite them to church on Sunday. Here's what I guarantee you. Every Sunday we're going to do our best to put, to put this is like, this is our moment to like be, be our best. And we're going to do our best to be our best. We're going, to be our, we're going to be our best when it comes to passionate worship. We're going to be our best when it comes to, you know, preaching some kind of message that is practical to your life, but yet challenging. Okay, it doesn't leave you the same. It's something that can cause you to walk out the doors different than you walked in. We're going to do our best to bring God's word alive. We're going to do our best to pray for your needs and to meet, to meet those needs in any, any way possible. We're going to do our best to do that. So bring your friends every single Sunday, if you haven't figured it out yet, Every single Sunday, we're going to give people an opportunity to commit their life to Jesus and follow him with, with everything they have. That's what we're going to do. So use it. Use events that we do. We got an men's event coming up. Guys, listen to me for a second. Guys, okay, of the male gender. Uh, April 26th and 27th is going to be a radical weekend for guys here at New Life. We've invited, we've invited churches all across the state to participate with us. I got my buddy, Rod Whitlock. He's coming. He's going to be sharing. That might mean nothing to you. It might not even motivate you. I guarantee you it won't motivate any of your friends. If you go to your friends and you tell your friends, hey, by the way, hey, come to my men's conference at my church with me. Pastor Jeff's good friend, Rod Whitlock's going to speak. They're going to be like, whatever. That's not going to motivate them. So to help you, listen to me. To help you help them, we attach something to this event that's unheard of. On Friday night, after we preach hard and we pray hard, we're going to play hard. And so we've got eight MMA-sanctioned bouts that are going to happen down in our gym. Yeah, that's what's going to happen. A sporting event that's going to take place in our gym. The only way you can be a part of that is if you come to the men's conference. Now, men... Be honest with me. Go to work tomorrow and tell your buddies at your workplace, hey, my church has got this event coming up for guys. And Friday night after the worship service, they're going to have these MMA bouts that you can only get into if you're a part of the conference. Your friends are going to beg you to come. And when your friends hear about it and you didn't tell them about it, they're going to be like, didn't you go to that church? How come you didn't invite me? That's what's going to happen. Why do you do crazy things like this? To create opportunities for you to invite people that would never walk through the doors on a Sunday morning. Take advantage of it. Take advantage of it. And we've got so many other opportunities that are just like that. There's so many different ways for you to communicate your love for Jesus. So many different ways, guys. Another uncomfortable act, though, is taking a step publicly and proclaiming, I love Jesus. 24 people are getting ready to do that with water baptism. We're going to join with them. They're taking this public step to say, look, Jesus, he came into this mission field here, and he's starting to change it. I invited him in. He's my Lord, and he's my leader. And now I want the world to know that I love Jesus and that I follow Jesus. And so in just a minute after I pray, we're going to go into a, a moment of celebration 
where people are going to get baptized in water in North Platte and at Kearney. And when they do, I just want to encourage you to cheer with all of your might. Cheer with everything you have. All right? Give it your very best. If you want to come up and take pictures of your buddy or your friend that's getting, that's getting baptized, do it. So that you can always remind them. That was an uncomfortable step that led to what? It led to a greater boldness. See, everything we've been talking about today, these uncomfortable steps of holiness, these uncomfortable steps of being a witness, this uncomfortable step of stepping out and getting water baptized, they all lead to something. They all lead to a greater boldness in your faith. What would a church look like that became more bold in their faith? It'd be unstoppable. So don't run from the uncomfortable, guys. Never run from the spiritually uncomfortable. Always run to it. Because some of your greatest breakthrough is always going to happen on the backside of walking through an uncomfortable season. Some of your greatest spiritual growth is always going to happen right on the backside of walking through an uncomfortable moment. But when you embrace it, you come out on the other side, shining more brightly, being more effective for God, being closer to God, loving God more, being closer to his church, being more ingrained into the life of what God's doing than ever before. Embrace the uncomfortable so that God can accomplish what he wants to do in your life. And then together, together, let's dream about reaching thousands and thousands of people for Jesus across the state of Nebraska. Together, by planting more campuses, by growing this campus. Let's just dream about something that is so big that when it happens, only God can get the glory. That people will look at you and me and they'll be like, they aren't smart enough to grow a church that big. They, aren't, they don't have enough resources to reach that many people. They don't, they don't have the right gift set to see that many people's lives transformed and changed. Let people look at us and be in awe and in wonder at how could you dream about something so big and be accomplishing it so that in the end, all they could say is there must be a God. There must be a God. Let's dream about thousands of souls coming to know Jesus. Let's dream about us being a part of it so that in the end, God gets the glory. Are you with me on that? Come on, let's stand and let's pray and let's have a time of celebration with this water baptism. Come on, let's pray, guys. Lord, we come to you in Jesus' name. Lord, we come seeking you to know you more today. Lord, we came here to this place today to worship with other believers, to come face to face with you and have our lives turned inside out, changed from the inside out. Lord, I pray for this church. I pray for those online today. I pray for those in North Platte. I pray for those in Kearney. That, Lord, you'll speak to their life. You'll speak to their life so profoundly that they can't be the same walking out these doors. And that, Lord, you would speak to this uncomfortable holiness and this uncomfortable witness. And you would call us all to be a part of your team for such a time as this so that the world might know that Jesus is alive. Lord, we want the eternity of every person that we meet to be changed. We want to love them enough that we don't leave people where they're at. We want to love them enough that we challenge one another with your word. We want to love them enough to link arms with people and just go, come on, let's go discover Jesus together. Lord, I just pray that that continues to happen like what's getting ready to take place with all these that are getting baptized. Someone came alongside of them, linked arms with them and said, let's go discover Jesus. And may it be so in this church that every single person that's in attendance today 
online or in person by the end of this year would have linked arms with somebody and said, come on, let's go discover Jesus together. I pray that for this church. In Jesus' name, amen.